Kim Fox. Welcome to the show, uh, State's Attorney Fox. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Kim. And hello, Atiba. Hey, good afternoon. So we had an opportunity to watch your press conference earlier today, but I will say that um, beginning last week, we, we heard about an incident with a young man who was stabbed to death during a fight and that there were no charges that were going to be brought against the other young man who stabbed him. Uh, there was a video of the stabbing actually taking place, and the young man who was killed did not have a weapon. So that's how last week went. And then follow it up with this week, we also then heard, of course, that everyone has heard about the shooting that took place, broad daylight in Austin, and that there were no charges that were going to take place. In both cases, a phrase called mutual combatant was used. Can you please just explain to our audience what exactly that means? Sure. Um, and so I will say that in the second case, the phrase mutual combatant was used by the police, not by our And not office. by the, that's important to know. Thank you. Yeah, it's very important to know. But mutual combatant means um, just what it sounds like, two people who are fighting one another. And in certain instances, and not speaking specifically to the case last week, we'll see it where two people are, you know, where someone will call and say, you know what, I'm going to fight you. And the other person says, tell me where to meet. Mm -hmm. Um, and they agree to go meet and they agree to go fight. So everybody knows what's happening. Um, and in one instance, someone may say, I'm bringing my blank with me. I'm bringing my bat. I'm bringing my gun. I'm bringing my knife. I'm coming ready. And the other person is like, bet, I'll see you over there. And then they engage. And then something like that happens. Um, people have a right to defend themselves. Uh, when we talk about a murder charge, the way that the statute is written is that you have a right, or, or the way murder is that you ha cannot kill someone without legal justification. And when we talk about legal justification, one of the things that we may say is self, uh, your ability to defend yourself, self-defense. And so the question that people will have, well, if someone has a knife and someone doesn't have anything, um, how can that be a legal justification? And again, we have to look at all of the facts. Um, what did the person know um, when they arrived on the scene? What what information did they have? Um, and then make a determination based off of that. But mutual combatants basically mean we are agreeing um, that we're about to get down. Um, and that's what happened. So let me say this just because it has been so long since I have had any criminal law classes. I'm just going to put that out there. But yeah. the one thing that I do remember from that is that I cannot agree to have a felony committed against me. For example, Atiba and I decide that, you know, we're talking to each other and for some reason he says, I'm going to shoot you. I say, yeah, go ahead and shoot me. He does yeah. it. He shoots me. He still gets the felony. He can't say that Kim told me to go ahead and, and shoot her. He can't, you know, I, he can't be absolved yeah. of it. So in this case, I think the, the, the case with the young man with the knife is almost like when you're looking from the outside that the state is saying, well, he agreed to get into that fight. And even though the other guy had the knife, he agree he agreed to that. He, you know, he didn't have a knife, but he yeah. agreed to that. So that makes yeah, it. Okay. I mean, I think we have to, and I get it. And the law is complicated. You know, okay. having gone yeah. to law school. Yeah. Let's say me and well, I don't want to say me and you. Yeah, that's not. Let's not you. <laughs> let's say two people are me and Atiba. No we're, we're me and Atiba going at it. Yeah, you and Atiba fighting. There are no weapons. You guys like show meet me at three o'clock on the on the lot, and you go out there. You two are fighting, and he falls and hits his head, and he dies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is, again, it's complicated. He didn't agree that you would kill him in that fight. 
he assumed the risk of coming to that fight with you that there might be some harm attached to that. Um, but you know, you remember this from law school. Uh, if he has a fragile, you take you them know, as they are. You take you, you take, take them, them as, as they, they are. are. Um, and so, I'm not saying that that's the case uh, of last week. I'm definitely not speaking specifically to that. But these are the nuances of the law. And I, I, I think part of the frustration that the public has is that the law is so nuanced and doesn't line up with common sense sometimes. And our common sense would tell us, like, no, that's not right. But there are provisions in the law um, that allow for certain behaviors that we may find egregious. Well, I think and just quickly, I think that one thing that you hit on during your press conference that the entire world is taking note of it's not even so much how strange the law can be, but it's the idea that in, in the city right now and in all over the country, there's so much crime being committed that when you actually get a video of someone committing what we feel is a crime, we're watching him stab this guy, and we know who did it, but then he doesn't get prosecuted. It scares the hell out of all of us mm-hmm. because this is one person we felt like, yeah, we, he, he doesn't need to be on the street to do something like this again. That's right. Um, and, you know, part of what I was saying today and the thing that we have to talk about is that we do have so much video that is now available to us, but that's one piece, right? And so, again, the lead up to how we got to that, what were the words exchanged before we got to that? What was the understanding? Who is the aggressor? There are a multitude of questions that we are, have to ask in addition to the video. And the same thing that I discussed um earlier today about the horrific, you know, blatant um, crimes that were happening last week is we do have a video, uh, but we have to be able to have people come in and testify as to who was on the video, who did what, um, who shot who, who fired first, those types of questions, because in a court of law, you just as a lawyer, as a prosecutor, we don't just go up to a, a, a VCR, if you will, um, pop in a video and say that's the case. We have to be able to have these other layers to it. The video is crucial. It's absolutely critical, but it is one piece of the evidence that we need to prove a crime. And that's alluding to the shooting that happened in Austin because we didn't even really talk about that. Uh, Atiba has a yes, question ma'am. for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for joining us. So my question is this: Listening to you describe uh, this carve out, this loophole in the law, it, it seems very unseemly, and it reminds me much of Stand Your Ground kind of a, 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 a law that just just goes against all common sense and seems kind of unnecessary. Are you concerned then that a, a carve-out or, again, a loophole in this type of law may actually encourage lawless behavior? Do you see people kind of beginning to interpret this law and say, you know, telling cops, hey, y'all don't have to come. We, we, we agreed to this fight. Not at all. I mean, the, this law has been on the books for a while, and the rare exception in which we may find uh, a rejection of charges, it doesn't happen often. I think the fact that it has been in the news, there's been a lot of um, uh, conversation around it, would make it seem as though it's prominent. Uh, we handle, I, I mentioned this earlier today, we are presented with, so far this year, about 290 murder cases in which we have approved charges. Um, even in instances that may seem similar to this, 
Um, when we reject charges, particularly related to murder, they are rare. Um, and again, they're fact-specific. So I am not as concerned uh, because we don't see it as prevalently. And again, we have to be able to make sure that even as we're reporting, that was my word to the press today, that we have to talk about the nuance because, again, basic common sense lay folks may see this and have that impression that you just described. But there is this legal element, this legal nuance um, that we have to keep in mind. Well, just being on this show and listening to our callers and, and talking with the community, we're terrified what's, for what's happening in our streets. And But the, the thing that does not help is seeing the police department, the mayor's office, the prosecutor, the judges, not all walking in lockstep uh, for the purpose of justice and trying to ensure that, that something calms down on these streets. Wh- where are those talks? Wh- what is really what is going on? Because, I mean, we're all so concerned about the relationship right now. Yeah. I mean, I, as I said earlier today, most of the people you just named meet on a regular basis. The the county stakeholders meet almost monthly from myself, the public defender, the chief judge, the sheriff, the county board president's office. We meet with members from the state um, and we have invited the mayor and the police superintendent um, to meetings as well. We wholeheartedly believe that all of us need to work together to address the violence in our communities. I think some of the frustration that you are hearing on the streets and honestly, the frustration that I have felt is that it is not helpful. Um, when something happens and we have the benefit of what, you know, the facts, the law, the nuances to go and say things um, that just aren't true. Like that's, that doesn't help. And it does inflame. And we do have folks who are afraid and we can't use politics and fear mongering um, to absolve ourselves of our role in here. The truth is, all of us have a role to play in addressing violence in our community. All of us. Every single one of us in law enforcement, in the community, our clergy, our elected officials, all of us. And so it isn't helpful that when things happen, things that are particularly egregious, that we take our hands and start pointing fingers because it does feel, particularly for the partners who've been working on this together, um, it does feel like, well, what's happening here? And the public are, are losing faith. And are becoming more afraid. So I agree with you. But where things stand is that for the most part, folks are working together. You know, my line assistants and the frontline police, both in the city of Chicago and the suburbs, are working these cases. There are murder charges that are, like I said, are being filed. There are investigations that are going. Um, We're doing our part. We need the help from the community to continue to do that. But it's happening. Instances like we've seen in the last a couple of days set us back and we simply can't afford that. Uh, State's Attorney Kim, this is Atiba again. My, my question for you is this, with with no cash bail, because that was passed, that's going to be implemented in the coming months. Uh, when you couple that... 2023. With the, correct, but, but soon. When you couple that with this type of allowance for violent behavior, how are citizens supposed to feel safe? Well, first, what you should know, Atiba, is that the reason that we're having no cash bail is that there are people who are charged with violent offenses who are given cash amounts that they can afford to pay. Mm-hmm. I think there's a misunderstanding about our current bail system right works. now. Yeah. So let me explain it. There are very few people who are able to be held without bail under the current circumstances. Um, there are limited circumstances in which a judge can say, 
There are no circumstances on which you can be allowed to go free with any conditions, and I am going to hold you before trial. Um, The Supreme Court has issued what those limited circumstances are. So the overwhelming majority of folks who are brought before a court for a crime are entitled to some sense of bail. And the bail that we get is generally cash. And what we have seen is that people, for example, who are engaged in what we call criminal enterprises, tend to have cash available because they know that that's the cost of doing business. So those people, if you're charged with a gun possession or if you're charged with a shooting and the judge says you have to pay $500,000, that's $50,000 cash to be able to walk. They have it. And so what we have seen is that a number of people who've been charged with crimes of violence are able to pay their way out. And we have a lot of people who are charged with nonviolent offenses who sit in our jails. So what this law is designed to do is to remove the element of cash, your ability to pay, and make this purely about are you a risk to the community? And if you are a risk to the community, there is no amount that you can pay. You must await trial um, in custody. That's what this law is. And so I think it's important to explain that to folks because even that has been uh, a lot of misinformation about the whole purpose was to not allow people who are a threat to public safety but have access to money be able to get out. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to ask that question. I personally agree with everything that you just said, but I know there's a a large constituent of people out there that would have that mindset. So thank you for explaining that. And and, But I I think that the one thing, and and I want to thank you for taking the time with us today, but the one thing that we have to get across is that you know this, I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir on this. Um, what's happening in our streets is crazy. And, and it, it, to the average person, it looks like really not a lot is being done. It looks like people are not being arrested at all. And you gave some crazy figure during your um, press conference that I only caught the tail end. But it, it looks like people are not being arrested. But then also that, pe- for example, with the carjackers, um, they're, they're being prosecuted but let out really fast. I mean, it, it's just too much to bear right now because we've, ha- we've had so many people killed in the city of Chicago in particular, but I'm sure in Cook County, greater, larger Cook County. So this idea of people trying these cases in the street, that's terrible. No one wants anything yeah. to be tried in the media, but I will tell you, I'm going to take it back to Laquan McDonald. If it had not been tried in the media, nothing was going to be done about it with the Chicago Police Department, with the mayor of Chicago, and with the state's attorney at that time. It, that had to be tried in the media. It had to be tried in the street. It had to be tried with people boycotting, um, close to destroying things because nothing happened. And I don't want to see us go back there. So what is it that how can we come together? How can you all's offices really come together so that we can be safe again in the city? I think it's a couple of things. First, we need the community members to be able to have trust in the system, right? And I don't disagree with you at all that where we got with Laquan was because of rattling that. I think that there are some important takeaways here. We want to make sure that the incidents like we saw on the West Side are fully investigated, fully investigated. We cannot, and the same was the lesson that we learned with Laquan. There was a narrative about that case that was given by law enforcement that Completely we found out false. wasn't true. Wasn't true. And so when I listen to some of the rhetoric that I've heard just in the last couple of days, much of it not true, we got to take a, we got to breathe. We got to breathe. 
one of the things I said earlier, we have been the false confession capital, wrongful conviction capital in the country for a long time because the last time we had a major, major uh, spike in violent crime in the 80s and 90s, there was a whatever it takes to get our community safe which meant rounding up folks and sending them away, even if the evidence wasn't there. And so what's required of us now is that real partnership amongst law enforcement and government yes. and the people living in communities. We need your you know, street justice ain't new, but it harms all of us. It harms us in ways where none of us can feel safe. But that requires us to be welcoming to the people who live in the community to pick up the phone and tell us what's happening and us to be able to respond so that we don't have instances where we don't have witnesses who are willing to come forward. And there is that sense of I'm able to get away with this because nothing's going to happen. But we have to do all of that together. And, and, you know, I'm committed to that. I've been committed. I will say, as I said earlier, I've been in office five years. And I came in the office in 2016, which at that time was the bloodiest year we had seen since 1999. And over the, the first three years of my term, and we watched violent crime go down as we worked on building trust with the community, that was a joint effort. We cannot allow this spike that we're in right now have us lose our way and say that anything and everything is okay so long as I feel safe. We can do this and we can do it right. Well, State's Attorney, um, just two final questions, and thank you for coming on. Um, Is there a law that needs to be changed with this mutual combatant, for example, if two people are not equally matched and that someone comes strapped, armed, or what have you, and the other person has no weapon, then that's not equal, that can't be a mutual combat or what have you that's number one yeah and number two oh so it can be changed no i'm saying you again i think the question that we have to ask is how frequently is it used um but certainly any law on the books in the state of illinois can be changed okay and then the second thing is with the fire the fire play gun play that just took place in austin i i'm not trying to try it in the media but I, from what everything that I've read from both you and the city of Chicago police department, it's really a matter of not being able to put which bullet came out of which gun. And that's why there are no charges, because from what you're saying, you're saying we really need to be prosecuting as as though there is a chance there could be a prosecution there with more information. Correct. Correct. I, I'm not again, I, I'm careful not. To yes, I understand about the case. Yes, we have to have it's not just which bullets out of which gun. We have to identify the person who was holding the gun. We have to be able to have someone say yes. So we don't even know yes. who the people were. And because I'm not they're saying un- that. But, but that, not, you, I, I, won't, I, I won't have you say yeah, it. I'm not speaking specific, <laughs> yes. but again, that's why it's incredibly important that we're careful on how we're reporting yes. these stories. Right. Because there might be an assumption that someone is able to say, Kim had this and Atiba had that. Right. If we don't have that, that's the Basics like we know that people were shot. You know, one of the things that you know we have to think about. You know, if someone was on the porch and someone's in the street and there's gunfight back and forth, and someone in the street is dead, who shot that person? Whose gun did it? Who? How do we? How do we put that together? Those are the questions that we want to answer. And again, why the video is one piece, but the police, you know, detectives knock on doors. Who yeah. was around? Are there ring videos? Are there is there other evidence that's out there that we can gather to be able to ask those questions and pull it all together? Because we need someone to come into a courtroom and say, yes, 
I saw Kim, she had that. I saw Tiba, he had that. That is the issue that we're trying to make sure that we don't tank. You know, that that there are people who are out there who may have seen or heard something um, who want to come forward. This case, just because charges were not filed this weekend, doesn't mean that we cannot charge. And in fact, I implore you, if you've seen or heard. And that is the impression that I kept getting from what I was reading. State's Attorney, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Of course, you have an open invitation to come on, take our questions, because we always have questions and we are really trying to look out for the people in Cook County. That's 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 what we're here for. I'm grateful for it. Thank you both. Take care.